So I'm here with Jill Schwartz, who's the Senior Director of Communications at the World Wildlife Fund, and Alex McLennan, who's the Editorial Director for World Wildlife Fund. Thank you both for joining. Thanks Happy for to having be here. us. We're at the ComNet conference. We've um, taken over a boardroom. Um, we're hoping we don't get kicked out, but if you hear <laughs> the police rush in, that's, that's why. Um, we're really excited to talk to you both. I have a lot of questions about the work you do and, and sort of the evolving nature of the work, and especially from a communications perspective, obviously. But um, can you each just talk a little bit about your roles and, and, and what you do at WWF? Sure. I am on the forest team. So I'm not in the marketing and communications division. I used to be. And then a few years ago, um, several of us were moved upstairs, as we say, uh, onto the programmatic side, where we have six teams related to our programmatic work, and one of them addresses uh, issues related to forests. So I'm the, the communicator on that team. And most of the work that um, is related to our very ambitious goal of conserving the world's forests by 2020 is work that's done in the Amazon, Africa, and Asia. Some other places too, but wow. mostly there. Wow. What about you, Alex? <laughs> uh, so I do sit in the marketing communications team. Uh, as editorial director, my role is to, I like to say, uh, we, we are the voice of WWF in that we own the channels or we run the channels that we control. Mm -hmm. um, so we are the flagship publications. We are the website. We are content for apps. When and should we develop them? Um, much of the content for the private sector partnerships mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that as expressed on the website mm -hmm. or in apps and then social media. Mm -hmm. So we're the, we're the main voices of the official organization that is WWF. Mm -hmm. We always start by talking about challenges and opportunities and obviously this podcast is for communicators. So I guess from a communications perspective, from whichever way you each want to take this, what do you, what do you both see as the biggest challenges communications-wise right now? Say two things come to mind. What in hell is going on with media today, right? It is it is not something that can be kept up with. Um, we're all so busy grinding out the work that we know we must do. Mm -hmm. How do we step out of ourselves and figure out what's happening next? Not just, and what's happening after that, because, you know, we're on like a two or three month cycle mm -hmm. now of everything changing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're all talking about augmented reality and virtual reality and 360, or maybe we're not talking about 360 video anymore because that's already passe. <laughs> but six or eight months ago, yeah. that's where we were all going. Yeah. So I would say that, and then just the fact that, you know, if you survey Americans, which we do on a regular basis, not that many really care about our issue. Mm -hmm. They Or they care about it as issue 17 of 20, mm -hmm. after all the things that feel more urgent, even though I think <clears throat> I would make the case that our issues are urgent too, but it's often not seen that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with Alex. And then I would say two other things is one is fi finding messages that resonate well with our target audiences. And that's obviously something communicators think about all the time, mm -hmm. but I feel like that's even more challenging now because of so much of the noise that's out there and confusing noise that's out there. So 
really trying to figure out what are the values that people care about the most and develop messages mm-hmm. that resonate with them. And in terms of the urgency, that's one thing I was wondering as I was sort of preparing for this interview is, you know, the natural environment and wildlife and the things that you all work on are really important to, to me and to, to people, but it, but it does seem like it's hard to keep the urgency um, up, especially when I think what you were referring to, Alex, like there's constantly big national, international crises and people's attention is getting pulled in so many different ways more than ever. What are some tactics you've used or, or strategies you've used to help keep that urgency, level of urgency high, or what have you seen work well? It's an interesting day, more than even time to ask that question because we're at ComNet and I've been out of two panels, both of, both saying urgency is not the right approach. And so, you know, okay, let's pivot. Um, urgency is effective. Urgency mm-hmm. can drive donations. Mm-hmm. Urgency can 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 cause fast action, but can also fatigue mm-hmm. your audience. Um, I think the way we approach it is our voice is resolutely um, realistic and fact-based um, and tied to individual stories, but also optimistic and hopeful mm-hmm. um, to a degree that may not even be true. I mean, you you are we are constantly looking for the one woman in the tiny village. Mm-hmm in remote Asia who's making her life better. This is a story Jill wrote for me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, who is making her life better and the lives of people around her better mm-hmm. despite all of the forces that are against that. And so I think we try to balance, oh my gosh, these people's lives are terrible, or oh my gosh, there's only 30 Vikita left. Vikita are these tiny porpoises in the Gulf of California. but. There's this group of fishermen that have mm-hmm. voluntarily said, we'll stop fishing in the way that hurts them. So that's the story mm-hmm. we tell, which mm-hmm. I think it sort of hopefully keeps it urgent, but also lifts it above that a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. to say, if we work on this together, we do have solutions and we can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it cuts through the noise as well, perhaps, mm-hmm. but it feels more authentic to who we are. I think also one of the um, things that we're trying to do at World Wildlife Fund is to prioritize the issues and that were that are the the highest priority issues for us and um, we like other nonprofits we we work on a ton of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but which are the ones that are the most important and which are the ones where external communications can really make a difference mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe a, a one-on-one meeting um, with somebody on the hill yeah so um, I mean, we still have a ways to go, but we've gotten a lot better at figuring out, well, which are the top priority ones? So for the forest goal, there are um, three that are the top priority. And so it helps mm-hmm. when dealing with urgency, kind of, because then we're not bombarding people with mm-hmm. so, many, so many different issues. Like we're going back to them repeatedly with here are the three things we care about and here's what we think you can do about it. And so, and then there's, so there's then things that we're not working on that we're not gonna react to, Mm -hmm. but that's okay, you know? And we can instead focus on the the top priority things, whether it's in an urgent situation or not, and do it really well, as opposed to doing a lot of things on a lot of different topics in a mediocre way. I feel like that's a huge um, accomplishment, (laughs) because I think a lot of organizations are constantly trying to not be distracted by what's everything that comes at them whether it's you know you see a lot of organizations who overreact to you know criticisms that that might actually not be that 
it might not be useful to actually engage on them, but people will focus on them, and then you get mm-hmm. distracted from what you're actually trying to do, or you're trying to do too many things at once. So that yeah, seems our leader, good. our leadership has has done a lot of work to try to set that tone of mm-hmm. prioritizing, and but then you even have to take it one step further. So you know what the programmatic goals are for the organization, but even within that. Which where does communications fit in? Mm-hmm. So and and where where can we really make a difference? And that takes time in an organization to be able to say to somebody on the program side, you know, you're essentially saying to them, I, your communications is I'm not going to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, communications isn't really going to make much of a difference, and that's hard for them in terms of what they're doing. It's sometimes hard for them to swallow, but you. So it takes time and rapport building for people to understand that your energy is better focused on communications for these three things, mm-hmm. not these six things. Yeah, that's tough, but that's like that's the hard work of communications in a big organization, right? Like you said, that work, you work on a lot of different um, issues. In terms of the kind of message resonance um, issue that you brought up, um, particularly with, with the forest stuff or, or more broadly, what have you found recently over the past, I don't know, year or so that you think has been surprising or, or interesting in terms of what, what has resonated? Is there anything that you would, that you would point out? Um, just really trying to connect um, people to forests so that forests aren't just seen as a pretty place to go hiking on the mm-hmm. weekend, but we all rely on forests to survive. And... Um, especially people in the developing world, but even in the U.S. Um, so the, the, there are two things I'll bring up on that front. So what we have learned just through focus groups and just from experimenting with messaging is people really get it if you say, you know, you're fresh air and you're clean water. That wouldn't happen if you didn't have a forest. Mm. So uh, people need air and water. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, so that's one thing um, in terms of thinking about messages that resonate. But also trying to remind people that all the products that you there are so many products you use every mm-hmm. day from toilet paper to, um, you know, a book you're reading that ultimately, or even a, a soccer ball, like rubber comes from forests. So helping people understand that, um, that that forests you wouldn't have any of these things if it wasn't for forests so um so that really helps people connect to it as well yeah we we have a great little section one of one of the things i run is our magazine and it's called impact and so it is terrifying and exciting how you can draw these connections to lipstick which is made with palm oil which is devastating asian forests and moving into africa in a bigger way now Mm -hmm. But we can tell that scary story and pair it with, again, that sort of, but we're working on it, and here's the group we're working with that we think is doing good things. And on palm oil, we don't really have this yet, but with forests, many forest products, there's an actual look for the FSC label, mm-hmm. which is you know, a thing that a, a, a normal human American can do yeah. on a Tuesday when they go to the toilet paper aisle they can see if that label is there. And then that, to me, that's a really important pivot mm-hmm. is that it's something they can do. It's not pervasive. It's not across mm-hmm. all categories of uh, products. Um, but there, there's forests. There's different ones for different kinds of seafood mm-hmm. um, and uh, sugar. And so most of these aren't quite at the level where any a consumer anywhere in the world can mm-hmm. pick and choose really carefully. But there's enough and it's growing in a really exciting way and I think that's going to be really interesting for us too to connect people directly Um, the other thing that you know even though we are an organization that works on these huge global systemic issues 
most people come to us because they love tigers or pandas mm-hmm. or um, dolphins, you name it. And so we do have this really beautiful kind of entry point. Forests are where the tigers live. Mm-hmm. And by protecting the forest where the tigers live, you're also securing fresh air and clean water for the people who live nearby and for the planet, by the way, because they're storing the carbon. So you can't you can't stitch that story all the way together every single time. But as Jill says, when we've agreed on some of those key messages, we kind of repeat them and the drumbeat hopefully draws people in and makes it connect back to their own lives. With the changing sort of political, economic, social situation over the past year, has the strategy or from a communications perspective changed for you all? I will say one of the things that um, in terms of our overseas work, which is a little bit challenging, is that on a lot of fronts, the U.S. is not really leading by example right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a little hard, especially in the developing world, which faces a lot of problems. And then they have us coming in and saying, um, you should be, you know, we don't ever use the word should, but we're essentially saying you should be doing X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. to protect their environment. And they're saying, well, you're you're not even doing that in the U.S. right now with your current leadership. Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do is um, try to go back to the science. We're a science-based organization. So we try to um, uh, bring to them the good science that explains why X, Y, or Z should be done, as opposed to, I mean, we don't. it would be nice to pair that science with good leadership that mm-hmm. was leading by example, but the science is always going to be there. It's, it's going to always be there. Political leaders will come and go every four, eight years. Mm-hmm. The science is always going to be there. And so that's our foundation to build off of. But we're also really fortunate overseas in that we have um, about 40 offices around the world. And so we've got thousands of employees. And we've we've used that to build a base of really good partners and really good reputation around the world. So even as politics change, um, people know us. And they know we're going to bring them good science and good guidance and um, and so they're willing to work with us. Awesome. Yeah. I would also add, I think for me personally, one of the things that's been exciting in small ways is that um, our, our voice has evolved a tiny bit or maybe we've added a new tone to our options within our voice, which is a little bit more um, straightforward and um, I won't say activist, but I'll say advocacy focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are a big organization with a big, big brand and a lot, a lot of members and, you know, friends and followers in the, mm-hmm. the, the Twitter sphere and social media and Facebook and stuff. And so while we are a measured, thoughtful organization and always will be, we're less afraid to step into some of these things in a more active way than we might have been, whereas we don't want to be political. But if the current president of the United States says, we are not going to abide by the Paris Agreement, which mm-hmm. is our best chance to save the planet writ large. <laughs> we are free enough to say, well, yeah, we are. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to stay in. And I think, you know, we are rightfully bipartisan and consensus building in the way that we do much of our work, especially here in the United States. But we're kind of saying like, yes, and... Mm-hmm. We're also going to march if we need to march. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been really rewarding for a lot of our members, too, to know there's a thing that they can do. Yeah. And it kind of so there's it's sort of a positive outcome, maybe, of all of the horrible things 
that are coming our way all the time right now. <laughs> yeah. And we have a base of about 5 million people who um, have signed up to be activists for us, you know, especially wow. online, but even at live events as well. And that, that base has been building over the last few years. And in some way, and you know, those are people, those are 5 million people who signed up because they want something to do. Well, we got stuff for you to do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah, so, but you. so it's exciting for them and for us. I mean, it's unfortunate that the circumstances it's happening under, but it is an exciting opportunity. And good way. for for your internal team too, right? For people to feel like they're the work they're doing is even more is is even matters even more on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition to the long term stuff that they're mm-hmm. working toward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, it it brings it home in a really nice way. Um, so just one last question before we let you go. We, we like to end by asking people what's one sort of insight or idea that you would leave people with um, that would potentially help communicators do their jobs more effectively. Just one thing that people can think about or one um, you know, insight that you've gleaned through your work that could help communicators. I mean, for me, it's um, asking the question to what end. Hmm. So... Um, we're all going to be asked, we're, whether you work at a big place like World Wildlife Fund or a very small foundation or a nonprofit, you're, you're going to always have more requests to do communications around an issue than you can handle. And so really having those conversations like with, with the program folks who come to you or whoever and asking them why, to what end, why would I do this communications, where is it going to get us? And, um, and out of that, you're going to find some things fall off the table, and you're also going to find some gems mm-hmm. that you guys can work together on to really make a difference. Awesome. That's great. Alex, what about you? Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Jill and I talk a lot, so we, yeah. <laughs> we share some ideas. Yeah. We're trying to do some best practices together right now. And so in that vein, I would just say it's also um, sort of we are, again, I'm thinking ComNet, the mm-hmm. context we're in today we're all sort of trying to do good for the world. Mm-hmm. And so we all have our individual priorities and passions, even within this framework that's been set by leadership of what our priorities are. And just remembering that all of these things are feeding towards a unified goal. So I think if the more we can stay clear on that, that sort of profound unifying goal, I think there's a lot more room to find the right way to tell those stories mm-hmm. um, than people always think. You know, you can never be narrow about it. You have to surface, take a breath, and look at it fresh. Because I do think there's ways to, you know, rethink, reframe, recast um, almost anything mm-hmm. to find the way to tell it if it fits within your framework and helps you meet your goals. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I just have one yeah. close. Just just remembering where we are right now at mm-hmm. the Communications Network Conference mm-hmm. and people listening to this podcast. Not everybody is going to have been here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an amazing experience to come here. But my other piece of advice would be get involved with the Communications Network. Mm-hmm. And yep. even if you couldn't come to the conference this year or can't go next year, there are a tremendous amount of resources in between. There's local Communications Network groups that have created around in big cities all over the country. There's a lot of online resources, webinars, great monthly newsletter that has chock full with tons of great reading and thinking on communications. Yeah, absolutely. I'd second that. And it's it's interesting that you will we'll end by just reinforcing what you both just said is this, this being strategic about communications is something that I think is 
sometimes overlooked, which is <laughs> which then leads us down all kinds of paths that waste time and resources, and we all need more time and resources. And um, being clear on the goal and asking those questions to what end, I think, is a really powerful um, way to help people, you know, stay above water with communications because we end up getting so many things thrown at us on a daily basis. But pushing back and asking those questions so that you can do your jobs better is is great. So thank you for that. And thank you both for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks again for tuning in to Achieve Great Things. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give us a review there. Um, Shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com if you have thoughts, suggestions, comments. Thank you very much for listening.